This is Beth Butler, and thank you for listening to From the Ground Up, where we chat with people in and around the real estate industry. I have been in the real estate business for 35 years, and much of my experience has been about building the business from the ground up. And I'm pleased to share some of the people who I've met along the way and who have helped me build in this podcast. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Orlando Montiel to From the Ground Up podcast. I'm going to start with a quote from Orlando. We set out to revolutionize and democratize education for real estate agents by offering unlimited access to hundreds of hours of the highest quality real estate instruction. We want real estate agents to get the world's best education at the world's best price. I think in a nutshell, that sums up who Orlando is and what he does. But just a little bit more by way of background, in 2007, He founded the real estate sales training organization, the Montiel Organization. In his leadership role, Mr. Montiel continues his pursuit to help real estate agents set their businesses for profit, automation, and growth so its members can reach their lifestyle goals. Mr. Montiel has trained over 8,500 agents and performs over 120 live events per year for some of the leading organizations in the country. He also teaches in Spanish and has published a book, Real Estate in Florida, A Practical Guide to Buying and Selling Real Estate. In Spanish, he also has Paz Economica. His latest publication that was released in 2016 is the Ultimate Real Estate Agent book, where he reveals the secrets of top agents in the country, closing more than $75 million of sales and in excess of 100 transactions per year. He is the host of the Miami Real Estate Show, where he interviews top agents, and he is also on-camera talent for Univision and MasterCard in the role of financial advisor and real estate expert. He also has held the same position in Telemundo from 2005 to 2009. He's been a guest speaker on the topic of real estate in several opinion programs in Latin America, as well as the USA. Welcome, Orlando Montiel, to From the Ground Up. First and foremost, thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you and, uh, you know, enjoying your, your conversation. I, I, I get a lot uh, from you, I learn a lot from you when, I, when we speak, when we have the time uh, to speak. So this is a great opportunity again. So tell us how you got involved with real estate and what you did before getting into real estate. So my background uh, came from banking, eight years with Bank of America, uh, formal sales training. When I joined the real estate industry, uh, I had the formal real estate uh, sales, the, the formal sales training, right, which most real estate agents lack. So within my first year, I was one of the top agents recognized by the Association of Realtors. And this is a question that I always ask. So if you want to become an accountant, an engineer, Beth, a doctor, first and foremost, where do you go? College, right? That's number one. Number two, for how long do you go to college? Four years, at least. Exactly, at least four years. And what's the average investment? Well, today, good grief. (laughs) Minimum $100,000 public education, right? At least. At least $100,000. But if you ask a real estate agent, where do you go to become a real estate agent? If you ask a person, they tell you, they go to pre-licensing school in the state of Florida where you and I are. It's not five years, the time, right? 
it is 63 hours, right? So you don't go to college. You go to pre-licensing school. You don't go for five years. You go for 63 hours. And the investment is not $100,000 or more. It is 695 including the license. <laughs> you see that? You see the discrepancy well, of this weeks? is why what, what they're like two million licensees in the state of Florida. Yeah. There you go. So one thing is to have the license, and a completely different thing is to know how to make money and grow a business with a license. Right. So when you ask me what, what's your background, it's banking. And banking, I remember back in the nineties, I don't know if you remember that, the printers with the little holes in the left and right hand side that flip the pages. Of course. So, so I remember with Bank of America on Monday, we had a, a, a sales quota, right? And a, a threshold. And uh, we had to meet that threshold every week. And that was very simple. Number of people you call, number of products you pitch to the clients, and number of, a number of uh, closed sales. And if we didn't meet that threshold, we were put on probation and, uh, for three months. And if we didn't meet that threshold in three months, we were fired. And everybody understood that. And that's why Bank of America, it's the largest commercial bank in the United States, right? And real estate, we don't have that accountability. And in real estate, we don't have that sales training. So we get the license and we think we are real estate agents. When in fact, what we are, Beth, you know that better than me. We are secret agents, <laughs> right? Nobody knows who we are. We've never been trained. So going back again to your question, my background is banking, eight years in banking, formal sales training, how to pre-qualify, how to follow up, how to present, how to handle those objections and how to close. Then when I came into this industry, according to the National Association of Realtors, less than 5% of real estate agents have that training. So it was easier for me to compete in real estate than it was in banking. So did you, did you practice as an agent? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, and I still, I'm still an agent. I work with investors. My background, again, is banking. So I work with a lot of international clients. And still today, I uh, work with those South American clients. That is my niche, right? Which is, which is something that we should talk about, right? It's uh, specializing in a very specific type of clients. I guess we're going to have the time to talk about that, which is very important. Yeah, I hope so. I, I definitely will come back to it because well, I think everything I can see is this 2021 is going to be the year that the South American investors come back. So I, w I do definitely want to talk to you about that. But I also want to talk about your coaching business because that's how I know you best. So how did you decide to coach? So I was doing a seminar. I still remember at Alhambra. Uh, no, I'm sorry, at Alcazar Avenue here in Coral Gables. It's an area in Miami. And I was doing a seminar for the association. They asked me, what did I do to close so many transactions within my first year? And, and if I could do a seminar at the association. So I did. And uh, one of the agents said to me, excuse me, Orlando, do, do you teach that? In, do you have a class for that? And do you teach that in private? And I said, yes. And he came to me after class and said, how much is that? And I said, $500. And, I, and he said, okay, when do we get started? <laughs> and that's the way the Montero organization was born. That's super interesting. So now you've been doing coaching for how long? Now, let's see, 2008, 12, uh, 12 years, going into 13 years now. So do you think every real estate agent needs a coach? And if so, why or why not? Very good. So, by the way, I have my own coach, business coach. And, I'm, you know, I always say his name. His name is Dan Sullivan. So why? Why do we need somebody? Uh, well, it's much easier, right, to ask somebody who has done it, how to do it, than to try to ask myself, how can I figure this out on my own, right? Much easier and definitely cheaper. 
Well, yeah, I guess also to me, it's the real benefit is just having perspective, right? Because I can, you know, know the answer and I can try and think my way through it. Like I have a scenario. How do I go this? Should I do this? And I have great conversations inside my own head, but it's not necessarily the right conversation to have, right? So being able to talk about what's going on in my mind with a coach to help choose a path, right or wrong, just to have somebody to be able to role play and engage with, to me, is super helpful. Do you find that's the case? 100%. And I'll, uh, you know, I'll mention one specific person. And if they go to our website, they'll see the testimonials from different agents. But I'll, work, you know, I'll talk about this specific uh, agent, which I'm sure you know, Anthony Askowith. He's been in business for more than 30 years. Uh, very uh, uh, successful agent, Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, he's been with me for more than seven years. And he says, you know, I need somebody to bounce ideas off. Uh, I need somebody who can tell me no, right? Uh, because in, in my group, I'm the, the top dog, right? So it's been, I've, we've been working together for a long, long time. And uh, as I said, it's much easier. It's very difficult to see yourself in the picture when you're inside, inside the frame. Do you know who Anthony's coach is before, was before you? I don't remember the name, but I know he always had coaches. Do you remember his name? Well, I was his coach. <laughs> oh, there you go. Little there known, you see? Little known fact. When I, back in 2009, 2010, um, until I joined um, Sotheby's, I was his coach. So I was the two years leading up to 2011, 2009, 2010, until 2011. And so, oh, <laughs> what a funny story! Yeah, 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 but he was great, and, and and for that same and for the exact same reason, right? He just wanted to have somebody toss ideas off of. This is how. What should I do with the staff? How should I do this? Talk, let's talk through this. So it it's really helpful just to have somebody to lean into to bounce ideas off of and get decisions to. You got. By the way, so look at the trend, right? So Anthony had. Not only you, another person that I know of that I forgot his name and me. This is a Hall of Famer for Remax. This is an agent that has for more than 20 years in a row produced more than a million dollars in GCI, in gross commission income. Yeah, and it was interesting. Right? So because back in that time, you know, this is in the real estate recession and a lot of people weren't doing well. And so a lot of the coaching I was doing was a lot of business management, right? How to downsize, make some of the difficult decisions that you have to do when you find a big business downturn like that. But Anthony was one of the few people that whose company was actually doing very well during the downturn. So he was always a pleasure for me to work with because it was like a ray of sunshine and some in in, in a gloomy in a gloomy weather forecast, right? So he, he is a, he's a great businessman, he's a great franchise owner. In addition to being a good agent, he runs a wonderful company and always runs as one, always run a wonderful company, but he does have that coach. So I guess that gets to my next question is what kind of accountability metrics do you employ? Sure. So let me go, let me finish with that. And by the way, I'm not trying, okay. uh, one thing about coaching, you need to find the right philosophy. All right. Uh, the beautiful thing about having a coach is that we have the data. We know what's working and what's not because we see it live. We, we work with so many agents that we can tell you what's working because we see it live, real time, right? But again, not every coach is right for every person. So you need to find uh, the right philosophy. And we can talk a little bit more about that uh, later on. 
Uh, so it can help you identify the person that is right for for the right for, for that agent. Well, listen, let's go ahead and talk about that now. How do how do you decide who's the right person? Sure. Very important. As I said, you know, I love yoga. I love I, I do yoga every single day of my life. I've never done CrossFit and I'm not interested in CrossFit, but I can say that CrossFit doesn't work because I've seen so many people get in shape with CrossFit, right? So it works. It's completely different from yoga, right? And I also like to run. Completely different, again, from, from CrossFit. So you need to find the, right, the philosophy for you. So, for example, there is people around the nation that are, you know, 100% focused on cold calling. Our philosophy is 180 degree away from cold calling. I'm not saying that cold calling doesn't work. And I've seen some agents doing cold calling and still in 2020. That's work, and that strategy is working for them. But that's not the one that we use. Our philosophy is more of the, that our number one principle is that it's much easier for people, Beth, to do business with you when they find you instead of when you find them. So our philosophy, it's all about frequency and consistency, positioning yourself as the expert of choice in your client's mind. We are in the business, and for people listening, please write this down, that all the top agents you talk to, they'll tell you, they're not in the business of real estate. They are in the business of marketing. We want to go from being a secret agent to a real estate agent. And the only way we can do that is through marketing, right? When was the last time you received a cold call from a doctor? Never. Never, right? So again, Never. That, so, but, but there's, there's a philosophy uh, you know, on some coaches, very good coaches, that teach cold calling. And it's working for them. Oh, absolutely. Right? So I'm not, I'm not putting down any philosophy. Just find the philosophy that that you see more more appealing to you. That's it. Yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense because you know, in all the years I've worked with agents and sales managers and business owners, and for that, all the people that I've worked with or coached, it's very easy to emphasize what somebody does well, and they will continue to do that and do that well. It's very hard to get them to do something they're uncomfortable with. Wow. So cold calling is one of those things to me, right? You, I can tell you if you do 100 calls, you should get one appointment. And people will do 100 calls and get that one appointment. And they'll be excited about it because that's what they want to do and they don't mind cold calling. But if you hate cold calling, there's just nothing that I'm going to be able to do that's going to be able to get you to do that. Exactly. So, <laughs> so it's nice. I think that's really good advice to say, what are your strengths and find that coach that believes in leaning into your strengths. Exactly. And as I said, you know, when some people, you know, people want to want to do the one-on-one and they want to talk to us and we have a, a discovery call the way we, we call it. Uh, we want to identify that because the last thing we want to do is for that person to waste their money. And I said, listen, if you're looking for a cold calling uh, company that trains you to do cold calling, that's not us, right? And uh, and we respectfully uh, decline the business because it's not going to help them. We can help them, right? So now back to the question that I had asked earlier, what kind of metrics do you use for accountability? Sure. Sure. Number one, every single week, and depends on the type of program that we use, right? So there are three matrix. Number one. It's a weekly accountability call where we see the KPIs, the key performance indicators. That's number of sales conversations, right? From those sales conversations, numbers, number of leads, and from those number of leads, number three, closed transactions. That's it. Those three things. 
right? And those need to be reported in a weekly basis. So we have two, two contacts at minimum in a weekly basis, which is, you know, our one-on-ones, it's via Zoom right now because of the pandemic, right? Or in person in our offices or if they're in a different city via Zoom. And in our group call on Mondays where we report those numbers to the group, right? And we pair agents, you know, in our groups depending on their level with other agents. Accountability, more than the philosophy and the technique, the group you're surrounded with, it's going to help you move forward faster than anything else. To me, the number one factor that determines your success in real estate, the number one factor, in my experience at least, is the people you surround yourself with. So is that peer Is that peer pressure? Uh you know what? I would say, yeah, for some people like me, very competitive is, is peer, peer pressure. Uh, for other people, it's understanding and seeing somebody doing it. You know, one thing is to think that you can make, let's, it's a round number, right? $100,000 a year. One thing is, is, is to, to think that you can do it. And another completely different, much better thing is to see other people doing it. Well, right. And say, if so-and-so can do it, if Joe can do it, I can do it too. I've used that in my head before, because I feel like, okay, if all these people can do it, I can certainly do this. And I don't know that it's necessarily business related, but it's certainly about life skills. <laughs> so remember, remember the, uh, the, the four mile, the, the four minute mile. Remember that, that example that, you know, nobody for years, people were trying to break the, the, the four minute mile for years. The first person that did it within 10 months, more than 20 people broke it. Now, they, be, they not only believed it, but they saw it. And then all of a sudden, around the world, you see people breaking, breaking the four-minute mile. So one more time, the number one thing that is going to help you or stop you from achieving your goals is the people you surround yourself with. You need to surround yourself with people at your level and at a much higher level. I, I, I give this example all the time, but my brother and his wife are in very, very good shape, very good shape. When we travel, my wife and I with them, I usually come back from vacation with three or four pounds less, no, no, lighter. Why? Because they're all about doing exercise, eating healthy, running, biking during vacation, right? So I don't even have to try. Right. And we have another couple, Beth, they're, they're foodies. I mean, they're, we are having breakfast and they're talking on, in breakfast, what are we going to have for lunch? What are we going to have for dinner? So when I come back from vacation, I have like four or five pounds more. Right? And I didn't even have to try. So it's the people you surround yourself with. That's number one. The technique, that's philosophy, you know, the accountability, it's, it's, it's important. It's very important. But the people, it's, you know, your surroundings are way more important than willpower. Uh, that, that, that's a good example. It's a very good example. What other tools do you employ in your coaching? So we have a daily message for our, our agents. It's not only motivational. But technical, right? Very, very short, usually less than two lines. Uh, not only it's an email, but also a text message, right? So we want to keep them engaged. It's very important, the engagement, all right? And then uh, we have an extra session on Thursday. So we have the group coaching call on Mondays, usually not mandatory, but you should be on that session. Then we have the one-on-one and on Thursdays. Then we have an optional one, just technical, all about developing and sharpening skill. And then you do a daily text. Yeah, daily text and email, right? We have 16 modules, 16 modules within the coaching. Uh, again, in real estate, Beth, agents are looking uh, 
to solve two problems, right? Number one, how to generate more leads. The technical word for that is marketing, how to generate more leads, and then how to convert more leads into buyers and sellers. That's called selling. Two completely different set of skills. Marketing is lead generation, everything we do online and offline to generate more leads. Selling is what we do once we generate enough leads through marketing, One, what we do on the phone or face-to-face. Two completely different set of skills. Right? So those are our main modules, and they, you know, they then, then they have sub-modules, 16 more modules to develop those two skills. The third part, once you know how to generate business, the third part, which is the most important part, is how to create a business, meaning build teams. Right? You need to get to a point where you have a team. A solopreneur has a very low ceiling of income because it's all based on his own effort. Right. That's interesting. And do you have goal setting? Like when somebody starts with you, do, does does it start by saying, I want to accomplish this? So is it goal focused or if it's more just a general improvement in skills? Talk to me through that process. Number one, you need to have a financial goal. That's number one. It's three steps, right? Number one is financial goal. Let's say it's $100,000. Great. Perfect. $100,000. We need to identify why $100,000 or whatever that number is, right? Number two, we need to identify the average commission, right? The average commission in his area. We need to pick a very specific area. We can talk about uh, the, you know, identifying your ideal market, which is step number one, all right? So the commission. And then we divide the commission by the financial goal. And then we, have, we get the answer to number three, which is number of transactions. So now we know the number of transactions for the year. Now, our, our stru- uh, structure is not a base on a yearly goals. We subdivide that in four quarters, right? So we have 90-day challenges. It's called a 90-day challenge for Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4. And we divide those 12 weeks into weekly activities, and then we have what's called the real estate calendar, and we divide those weekly activities into daily tasks. So all the way down to the daily activities. So we focus only on today, and we're scheduled from the morning until night, every half an hour, even family time, email, social media, everything needs to be on the calendar. If it is not in the calendar, it's not going to happen. Block. Time blocking, so important. Time blocking. So important. There you go. So I'll tell you something that I learned from you uh, a while ago when I was visiting in your office. You said something to me that I still mention it pretty much in every single seminar, and I give you credit for that. Believe me. Well, thank you. Said you said to me once, well, once <laughs> I, said, I don't even remember this phrase, but you said to me, once you leave home, the day is no longer yours. Right? Correct. Right? So, you know, time blocking, what you were saying. Yeah, it right? becomes so, more of yeah. a challenge when... Now everybody is working remote, so you never leave your home. <laughs> so I've had to figure out how do I block up, you know, go deeper into that time blocking, right? To say, this is my time, period. And I draw the line and pretend like I'm leaving, right? So I, I play mental tricks to make sure that I keep in my time blocking routine, even though I'm not physically leaving my house. So in different rooms, when I get dressed, I mean, simulating that day-to-day activity to know that I've got to start my day by getting a certain amount of stuff that I want to get done, done. And then I can turn over the rest of my day to the meetings, phone calls, things that come up, problems and whatever. 
but at least I have that sense of peace in my day that I got what I needed to accomplish done before everybody else takes over my day. You, and that, that's, that's where your phrase comes from. Once you leave home, the day is no longer yours, right? Even so, in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> even in quarantine. And, and uh, for anybody that received an email from me in the past, you see in my footer, in my, in my emails, I have a quote that says, focus is a superpower. We, live, we don't live in, an age, in the age of technology. We live in the age of distraction. Isn't that the right? truth? So we need to have that simplicity, right? We need to have that simplicity and clarity ex with the time blocking exactly what we need to do every half an hour. Because if not, we will all default to Instagram because it's a lot of fun. It is fun. <laughs> it's a black hole. Listen, I go into Instagram at 5.30 after I've done it and I put a timer, 50 minutes. If you, you come to my office, you see timers everywhere. And it's like a game for me, right? Uh, because if not, I'll spend an hour on Instagram. Listen, it's a lot of fun. Well, especially now shopping. Like I realize, like suddenly how many things have I bought because I got served an Instagram ad? I mean, it's like, stop, put it away. <laughs> Don't, don't even mention opening YouTube. You go into no, no, YouTube, no. you're going to spend three days there and you're going to have the time of your life, right? But it's not productive most of Just the time. Just a funny story. I have a daughter of my cousin, who I guess makes her my cousin, is a YouTube star. She's a high school, she's a high school junior, senior now, and she's started a, her own YouTube channel probably five years ago now, and she's up to like a million subscribers. I mean, it's crazy. Wow. So yeah, I mean, pretty wow. impressive wow. for a girl, you know, now she has her own merchandise. She's done an amazing job, but I was curious about it, right? So one day I thought, let me go check out her channel and see what this is all about. And literally the videos are like a day in the life of a high school girl, right? She's a cheerleader and it's about cheer practice <laughs> and about the boyfriend and about shopping for a prom dress. Before I knew it was four hours later. Uh, you see, you see, like, how? how did that happen? And it wasn't even like I was, you know, binging a great show. I mean, it was entertaining, but there was nothing like. You didn't know, like you wouldn't expect, right? Shopping for a prom dress. What do you think that looks like? She goes with her mom. She buys a prom dress. <laughs> 30 minutes later, we're on to the next one. It's crazy. It is It is crazy. So that's why, as you said, we need to use time blocking, right? Uh, by the way, when, when we teach in our, one of our most popular modules in our, in our program, it's, it's social media, right? Uh, social media campaigns. It's not posting. It's all about campaigns. And if you want, we can talk about that and the strategies. But when I, for example, when I'm doing a seminar on, on Facebook, I ask the question, who is using Facebook? Please raise their hand. And, you know, most people, you know, are using Facebook. So that then I go and say, okay, the deeper question is not if you are using Facebook. The deeper question is Facebook using you. So if you are not getting leads with the first and last name, phone number, and email from social media, you are not using social media. Social media is using you. They are packaging that information and selling it to marketers that are paying for the campaigns. Remember, I don't know if you saw the, so the Social Dilemma, great, great documentary. It says, if you are not, do you, you hear that phrase? Says, if you are not using, if you are not paying for the product, you are the product. So I love this idea that your social media is all about campaign strategies. Talk to me a little bit through that because I find so much and I, you know, 
I've talked about this on the podcast because social media comes up frequently, right? This whole like real estate agent propensity to post a listing photo and it's like, you know, three bedroom, four bath, the price, whatever, like, and this is what their Instagram and Facebook feed looks like. You know, it's like watching paint dry. (laughs) So, so I love that you have a strategy behind social media that involves campaigns. So I don't want you to give away any trade secrets, but could you talk a little bit more about that? No, listen, of course, it'd be my pleasure. So it is not about posting Uh, the algorithms in different social media platforms is that the postings, all right, are going to be seen by 2% of your network, of the people in your network. 2%. You can go research that. That's, that is a fact, 2%. So if you have 100, let's say, friends or followers, 2% are going to see it. But that's not the worst part of it. No, mo- almost nobody sees it. But the most important thing is that the people that see it is the people that engage with you the most, which are your family members and your friends, who the majority are real estate agents. They're not going to do business with you. So social media is not about posting, right, Beth? Social media is about paying. Fortunately, it's very inexpensive. A cost per lead on social media, depending on where you are, varies from $2 to $12, $13. Very inexpensive compared to other platforms, right? And you are getting the actual name, phone number, an email. Now, that is, you know, if you know how to do it. For example, you set up the campaign on Facebook. It's called the lead generation campaign. That is the only type of campaign on Facebook, which you, you know, you, you incorporate Instagram. It's the same uh, company. You just click on the bottom and says include on Instagram, and they'll put it on both platforms. The only one that allows you to get those three very important pieces of information, name, phone number, and email. Now, what we need to get their attention, it's on that campaign, it's the content, the message, it's the key to the success of that campaign. Because unfortunately, when you see a campaign or a picture, a post, a postcard from a real estate agent, it has four things, Beth. Number one, their picture profile, right? Their picture profile. Right. right? From 87 years ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Their prompt picture. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Their prompt picture, right? That's number one. Number two is the number of listings they got, right? Number three, talking about the, me, Orlando Montiel, the number one agent. I've never met a number 56 agent. Everybody's number one. Me, 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 me. Look at me. Look at my listing listings. Look at what I sold. And the call to action is you call me. And who calls me? Nobody. Right, So we need to change the message from the agent-centric approach, all about the agent, to the client-centric approach, all about the client. So if you're going to do a campaign, make sure you're providing value instead of talking about yourself. All right? So how do we do that? Well, so the message is, you know, what to do if you haven't sold your property in the last 90 days for sellers or for people that have expired listings, right? The three mistakes owners in downtown Miami make when selling their home and how to avoid them right? The three things you need to ask every single real estate agent before hiring their services, right? So those are, where's my name in that campaign? Nowhere to be found. And I've seen things like market studies. You know, I always go back to the old, like when I started the Kai's company a million years ago, they had a a postcard campaign and it really was a million years ago. They had a postcard campaign and and the postcard campaign was offering a a complimentary market analysis of somebody's property, which is not revolutionary, but it was in two parts. So there was a perforation in the bottom that it was a return postcard back to me that said, 
yes, I do want, and here's my information, which I thought was so smart because not only am I offering something, but I'm also giving them a way for them to get it back to me. So when I see a Facebook campaign offering a market report, it reminds me of those of those postcards, which were so effective because it's not enough to offer it because then they have to call you. If you make it easy and you make it free, oh, here, let me click on Facebook or here, let me tear it off and write in my information and send it back. And then that puts the onus on me to call them to make the appointment, it works so much better. So I think that when I see this kind of giveaway type content, offering something, information, a market plan, three reasons why, something to help them out, I always think back to those postcards and think this is the modern version of those tearaway double postcards. Absolutely right. And the beautiful thing that that in the past, you have to wait for people to fill it out, send it to you, you read the message and then contact the, the client. Now it's automatic. It literally happens overnight overnight so they download that information and they don't have to input their personal information facebook dashboard has all that information and you get it into a report i have your name your email and your phone number that's the information you use to log it into their platform so do you use the crm of course after that again the easy part and when when we're doing the seminars i said you know it's a it's a difficult does it take time to get to to generate a lead is it expensive is it difficult? Most people say, yes, it takes time. No, it doesn't. It happens overnight. Number two, is it expensive? Absolutely not. Number three, is it difficult? No, if you know what you're doing, it's not that difficult, right? And I say it, you don't need us to generate a, a campaign for you. Of course, we make it much faster. If you do your research on YouTube, you'll learn it, all right? So you can do it on your own. We can do it for you. We make it faster. We filter all that noise on, 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 on the internet, but it's not that difficult, all right? So... Number So generating the lead is so simple, and it happens overnight. You are not going to spend a lot of money on that, right? However, nurturing the lead takes time. So selling is not an event. It's a process. Now, why am I saying this? Because you ask, do you use a CRM? Of course. That's very, very important and very great. It's, it's an amazing question. Remember, it is all about frequency and consistency. Now we have their information. Now I need to, I got their attention. So it's a four-step process, AIDA. Remember the, 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 the marketing concept, AIDA, attention, interest, desire, and finally action. So I got your attention with the message, right? The three mistakes owners in downtown Miami make when selling their home. Download it here, right? Perfect. You downloaded it because I got your attention. Now I need to develop your interest. And that's where your question came in. Very, very good. Do you have a CRM? I need a CRM that allows me to nurture that client so I can develop their interest, frequency and consistency via email marketing, which is bucket number one for, we have four different buckets of marketing. Bucket number one is email marketing. So I can develop their interest, then their desire, and finally action, right? That's the process. And and in your experience, and I just want to share this because you're seeing across a wide number of agents doing a bunch of different things. The incubation time for these leads, how long is it? It depends. If it is buyers, it takes about 8 to 12 months. It takes a lot, a, a bit longer. If it is sellers... Wait, go back and say that again. For buyers, it takes... 8 to 12 months. It's not going to happen overnight. And I, I'm going to explain to you why. All right? And for sellers, it's a little bit shorter. All right? 3 to 6 months. Yeah. Now, here, here's why. Yeah. Very, very important. And this is what I say to my... Uh, uh, to my agents, and we talk about the 90-10 rule in real estate. 90% of the people you contact, all right, 
are not going to do business with you within the first 90 days, right? 90% of those people will do business with you after 90 days and up to two years, right? Why? Well, Beth, if I call you, right, or, you know, we, we, we have the chance to talk, but you've never seen me before, will you share your information with me, your financial status, how much money you have saved, how much money you want to sell your property for? Usually not, right? So it takes time, right? It takes time for me to position myself as the expert of choice in your mind, in the consumer's mind. That's why we need, what you said, a CRM that allows me. And that's why it's so much easier and faster for top agents to get business. Because again, there are celebrities in their market. Who makes more money? Right, they're known. They're known. They're known entities, Exactly. Who makes more money? The general doctor or the specialist? The specialist. Of course, right? The, the doctor that isn't a specialist makes, makes way more money. But who makes more money? That doctor that isn't a specialist or, or Dr. Oz from TV? <laughs> <laughs> you Dr. See? Oz. You got it, right? So people go to Dr. Oz. And I, you see, I mean, you, I mean you have, you've worked with so many top agents. People reach out to them, right? Because of that frequency and consistency, that position is an understanding that for newer agents is going to take a little bit longer. Right, right. So just last thing about these campaigns, what do you think with your content? And I'm assuming that with your CRM, you are providing sources of, of follow-up like emails, phone calls, handwritten notes, like what does the follow-up plan look like? I'm t- I split that into two questions now because I wanted to ask you that. So what is that? If you've got a year to cultivate a client, how many touches, how long does it take? So, uh, and the what touches, very, very good. So the touches, let's talk about the touches, which is a very touchy point, by the way. All right. So email marketing, frequency. Let's talk about frequency first. So I'm going to give you the four buckets and then I'm going to go to, to, to the how many touches, right? So we have four ways of generating leads, only four. Number one, it's email marketing. I'm going from the cheapest to the most expensive one. I'm not saying that one is better than the other one. Email marketing is the cheapest one and we all should have it. We all should have an email drip campaign. All of us, all of us, look at any top agent in your town, they usually email their clients in a daily basis. For the newer agents, are going to go, oh, my God, you are crazy. I don't want to spam my people. I understand, right? I'm not saying you have to do it every day, but I'm telling you the top agents in your area are doing it every day, and you know many of those top agents, Beth, right? At least, at least two times per week, out of sight, out of mind, out of sight. Minimum two times per week, relevant information, Spamming is not about frequency. Spamming is about sending information that is not relevant to you. Got it? Right. So that is very, very, very important. Email marketing. Number two, social media. Second, second cheapest way of generating leads. Number three, online marketing, right? Realtors.com, retargeting, Google Ads, etc. And number four is the most expensive one, right? It's offline marketing. We're talking about magazines, newspapers, etc. Postcards. They all work, and ideally, you should, you should be on those four quadrants. When people, when the buyer and seller goes to their email, they see Beth. When they go into social media, they see Beth. When they go into CNN or Fox News online, they see Beth. When they're driving because it's the weekend, they see Beth doing an open house. When they go to their mailbox, they see Beth on the postcard. When they open a magazine or newspaper, they see Beth on the postcard newspaper. It's all about frequency and consistency. 
Perfect. Perfect. I once, you know, I don't know if you know Janie Coffey. She's a great agent now that works out of Jacksonville. And she has a fairly sophisticated expired prospecting system that she's used and she shared with people kind of wide and far. She does it freely. And she says that in her experience that you have to touch an expired 43 times before you get that listing appointment. For us, it's, it's a little bit lower. It's, uh, we, uh, we have a 19 time touching for expires. All right. Uh, and it also depends on how, how often, how fast yeah, you do she, the time frame. Yeah. She's working, right. She's yeah. working, uh, higher prices too. Okay. She's working oh, luxury okay. markets. So that okay. can take a little bit longer, Okay, but, but yeah, I, I thought like, oh my gosh, 43 and she has a very, you know, it's an email, it's a newsletter, it's a market report, it's a phone call, it's a handwritten note. I mean, it's a very, it's like all kinds of media and material that she sends to yield that appointment, which I think, you know, so many people would give up after one, two, three, right? I mean, I think the percentage drops off, the percentage of agents that will pursue that drops off tremendously over time. Exactly. But by the way, I know for, for the listeners, I know expires are painful, but they are the fastest way to a closing. So when we are coaching an agent that is in, a, in financial distress, they need to make money quick. This is the first thing I tell them, right? Listen, let's concentrate on expires. I know, and I'm telling you, if you have not experienced it, it is very painful. I just want to let you know in advance, it's not fun. But if you need the money, that is the fastest way to get to a closing table. And then we go into the expire listings uh, strategy. So, but going back to that frequency and consistency, it is it is key key. So when when you send them an, e- an email, right? So you're gonna have an open rate and a click through rate. So if I send an email to 100 people, let's say 100 people, right? About 18 people are gonna open it. That's the industry standard in real estate. 18 people are gonna open it, right? And out of, of those people, about four people are going to click on it. My job is to contact first those four people that clicked on it. And then the people that open it. Next day, next day. Listen, most of us, when we go into our inbox, we're in delete mode. And I'm going to quote one of the top agents in Miami, if not the number one agent in terms of transactions close, Riley Smith. And I think you know him very, very, very well. All right. Thank you. And he says, you know, about email. He says, most people don't read it, but in order to delete it, First, you have to see it, right? So most people are not going to open your email. And people say, oh, but people don't open their email. Yeah, I agree. People don't open their email. But in order, in order to see it, first they have to see to, uh, In order to delete it, they have to see it. So you position yourself as an expert. And eventually when they click on it, it's because they're interested. Because most people, when we go into our inbox, we're in delete mode. So you call the people first that not only open, but click on it. And ask, hey, Beth, how you doing? I noticed that yesterday you opened my email about the three mistakes owners in downtown Miami make when selling their home. How can I help you? What question do you have about it? That's it. Two open-ended questions. They can't say no to that or yes to that. They have to give you an explanation. It's true. I think that's good. And, and, and again, technology has changed so much of this in a positive way, right? The, the automation using a CRM, 
seeing if somebody clicked. I mean, you know, in the old days when you could only do, say, direct mail, you had no idea if anybody opened it unless they called you. You got it. Exactly. You'd run a newspaper ad. The only way you knew anybody saw it is if they came to your open house and they clicked in your sign-up sheet, saw it in an open house. Technology has really revolutionized this space, and I still think, and I'm sure you see it every day, real estate agents have a long way to go to leverage just the tools that are available to them right now. 100%. 100%. Absolutely right. Uh, there is much, there's more noise right now, but it's much easier to become uh, a good agent. I'm not even saying top, top agent, but a good agent uh, with a good portfolio of clients. Much easier now and cheaper. The very, here's the beautiful thing, uh, Beth, that the barrier to entry to real estate is even lower now. Because in order, you know, 50, you know, 15 years ago, you needed to invest so much money into marketing, right? I remember we were in the business of marketing, right? So that, that in the past, it was very difficult. Now, the playing field is pretty much level because, you know, with a few hundred dollars, you can do very good marketing strategies. I'm always learning new ways people are prospecting for business. And when, you know, we first started Compass in Florida, I started to meet a lot of young, newer agents that I really hadn't seen. You know, I'd been in North Carolina for a couple of years before that. So I was a little bit out of the market when I came back. And I was amazed at how many people got their license, got into the business. And the first thing they did was start to spend a high amount of money on Zillow leads, like four and $5,000 a month. Now, if you're willing to invest that kind of money, they were able to get a buyer lead pretty quickly and kind of get up and get going. And it paid off right over time, but not everybody has access to that kind of money. What I like about going back to that basic of doing expireds is number one, you're starting with listings which is a contract that says you, if you can sell this, you're going to make money as opposed to working with a buyer that you may work with for a very long time and they may never buy. So it, it's with somebody that you know needs to sell and it's, it's identifiable and trackable. So I love that you give that advice. I think that's great advice, especially people getting into the business that don't have access to spending, you know, 50, 60, $70,000 in their first year of real estate before they really make money. Absolutely right. By the way, you touch on a point that we have not talked about on the, on this conversation, which is becoming a listing agent, which is the key to success and longevity in real estate. And I say, you know, in our trainings to our agents, don't forget about buyers. I'm not saying not to work with buyers but focus on sellers. It's going to take you a little bit longer because now you have, tr- you have true competition. When you're working with buyers, they're not paying the commission. So, you know, as long as you drive them around, they'll work with you. Sellers are the ones paying the commission. So they're going to choose the person that is more prepared for, you know, for, for the job of selling their home. So you have more competition. But the sooner you get started developing your pre-qualifying skill, your presentation, your handling objection skills, right? The sooner you're going to have listings. And listings give you the leverage, give you the presence. Tell people that you are active in the business. Can you have, Beth, can you work with five buyers in the same day? No, no. I mean, no, it's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. But can you have 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 listings? Absolutely. Thank you. Well, it's the only way. I mean, it's the only way to actually control your income, know when it's coming. I mean, that goal of right making a certain amount of money also to me, the goal when I was an agent was making steady money, right? Because it was, it's very hard to make 
a sum of money and then go an indefinite period of time without really knowing how far that money is going to go before you make money again. You know, that cycle of not knowing when your closings are coming. When you become a listing agent, you can actually have that financial management of knowing I can take that $100,000 and know that I'm going to make, you know, $9,600 a month or whatever it is area so I can start to budget and know what like if I can afford a rent or a mortgage and a school tuition and whatever else that your expenses are instead of having to borrow until you get paid and then try and figure out pay it back and see how far you can stretch I used to coach staff and tell them you know you don't know what it's like to be a real estate agent until you literally take your bills and put them in the mailbox to mail them as you're taking the check out of a closing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's tough, I mean, it's a real challenge. I, I mean, we talked, we talked a little bit. I'll deviate just a little bit. Have you read about this NAR department of justice agreement with regard to disclosing buyer's agents compensation? No, no. Yeah, well, I, it's it's new. I guess you know the Department of Justice once again uh, keeps coming back and analyzing real estate transactions and trying to say how is this compensation fair? Is it being the consumer doesn't really know what the real estate agents are making, and so now they're adding this this transparency in the marketplace that says the amount of compensation offered to a buyer's agent will be made public. So this idea, right, like we were talking about listings and working with buyers. One of the problems that I hear a lot about from agents I talk to is this idea that people come from a Zillow lead or they call from Realtor.com and they want to deal only with the listing agent. That's true. Because because they have this idea that they can pocket the buyer's commission, right? So to the seller, if you're only paying, you can only pay, you can pay your listing agent a lesser commission. If I don't bring my agent in, I ought to be able to get a better deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just was kind of thinking through this out loud, like that says to me that this kind of uh, movement to make that amount public almost encourages that kind of behavior. What do you think? Yeah. Well, listen, uh, in my opinion, uh, the buyer's agent, it's going to have tougher and tougher, uh, you know, future. Um, because not only, you know, this, what, what you were talking about, about uh, the Justice Department and, and disclosing the amount of money they make, but also because of the technology, which is bypassing the buyer's agent in many situations. You know? right. So we need to develop our, right. our sales skills and marketing skills to become listing agents, which, by the way, talking about marketing budget, you were talking about Zillow and how expensive it is to get a, a buyer's lead. Well, the number one source for most top agents, top, top agents around the nation, right, the number one source of seller's leads, I want to give you one that most people are surprised with is open houses. Open houses, seller's leads. And how much is an open house? Very little. So talking about budget, you don't need that much budget, all right, once you have the, house, the listing, right? And you need to become uh, the, the king of open houses, right? If you talk to the brand new, uh, to, I'm sorry, to the top, top agents around the nation and what they've done to, to get so, so, so many listings, it's almost a daily open house, two, three open houses a week. We start every week. You said accountability. So every week we start the first question on Mondays at 10 a.m. is, 
how many open houses did you do this week and how many listings you got. You should be doing at least two open houses per week, ideally three, minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Yep. I'll I'll throw in a name here. She's been on the podcast and she said it, Audrey Ross, who to me is like the the the, the grand dom, the the grand dom of Miami real estate, right? She still does two open houses every single Sunday, herself personally. Everybody in her team does open houses at least two every Sunday. And she's been at this for a long time. Arguably, she doesn't need to do open houses. Why should she, right? I mean, she has a team. She has all kinds of people that would love to do her open houses for her. But she has controlled a neighborhood for a very long time. And one of the reasons she attributes her success to is the fact that she's at an open house and who comes to the open house? Yes, you have buyers, but there are a lot of neighbors. She has met more people that have led to listings in her farm area through open houses. So thank you for bringing up. It's a great point and it's true. And I think that people think like open houses, nobody comes that's beneath me. I'm too successful to do them. But the truth is your most successful people still do open houses and there's a good reason for it. How many opportunities do you get to meet someone in person? Exactly. And as I said to my agents, right, to to the agents we coach, it's weekends should be, for example, it's it's Beth weekend, right, for the neighbor. Everybody needs to see Beth during the weekend and actually during the week too. You know, you talk to the top agents, doing 400, 700, 800 closings a year. They all tell you, I got started with open houses, and I still do open houses. Well, you mentioned Audrey. I mean, and, and by the way, the type of listing she has is just, I mean, they're a multi-million dollar listing. Yes. Right? So, as, and as you said, she doesn't need to, but still she does. And wouldn't give it up. She thinks it's one of the most successful things that she that she does. So, I'm going to switch gears a minute um, and just talk about, I heard from another person that's been on the podcast, my good friend Michael Valdez that you have affiliated with exp how did that happen tell us i mean exp is like on the tip of everybody's tongue these days because their stock has gone through the roof and 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 really i talked to michael and i own another business and the first five minutes of our call is him just being so enthusiastic about his experience there and how happy he is and how well things are going so i'd love to hear how you got how you got involved with exp and how you found your experience so how I got involved. So a very, very good team. And by the way, I've seen the model for the past three years. November 17th, 2017 was the first time that I was exposed to it. I was not exposed to it the correct way. And I let it go. Uh, almost eight months ago, uh, one of the top, top teams in the, in, the, in, the, in the company, and then the management, one of the persons in the board, uh, reached out to me. And uh, when they show me the, they, they explain it to me correctly. I was blown away. Uh, I've never seen a a company that can offer so many, so many hours of coaching. Number two, the systems, and finally, that number three is compensation. Uh, in real estate, and and again, I I usually don't talk to this to to, not to anybody about this unless they ask me, right? And you ask me for this. Uh, in real estate, uh, and as you know, I, I have a, a show on TV, which is personal finance for 13 years nationwide with Univision. And my passion has always been to educate uh, the Hispanic community, in my case, about personal finance. And in real estate, I've seen that unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, we all depend on the transactional income, right? We need to make, we need to close a property or rent a property in order to make money. 
with EXP, you have eight different ways. And uh, when you see the numbers, they're very, very impressive. That's one thing. Some people join because of that. Uh, to me, that was the most important thing because I'm very passionate about personal finance. Some other people join because of the training. There is over 100 hours of live training and, and it's segmented into new agents, agents doing 100 to a quarter of a million dollars, a quarter of a million to half a million and, and a million dollars and above, right? So it's the community of top, top agents around the nation. And uh, it's the fastest growing company in the history, uh, adding over 3,000 agents a month, a month. So when I research the phenomenal. top agents, yes, phenomenal. When I research the top agents, okay, show me your numbers and why these agents doing four, 500, 800 transactions a year are joining. Listen, it's, I haven't seen that offer in our industry. Number one, the type of training. Number two, the systems to generate lead supports and then the different ways of being compensated. So that was the reason. And, do you uh, have an avatar? Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. Very informal, like these days. Yes, I do. So, and, and working with the, you know, it's uh, again to me the most important thing. Remember what I said at the beginning: uh, the community, the people you surround yourself yeah. with. Uh, you know, when you surround yourself with people like Michael, right? Uh, when you surround yourself with visionaries like Glenn Sanford, uh, you know, Dave Canur, Ian Frederick, uh, you know, Jay Kindler. Uh, Tim Harris, I mean, those are multi, multi-million dollar producers or presidents of companies. And, and having that accessibility in a weekly basis to those top, top, top uh, uh, influencers in our industry, it's, it's just mind-boggling. I'm having a, a great, great time. Good, good. Okay, you mentioned the TV show. I know you also have a podcast, How to Become a Top Agent. How did you get that started? How do you choose your guests? And who's the audience? So it's called the Miami Real Estate Show. I've been doing that podcast. It's a, by the way, it's a podcast. In a, it's also in, on YouTube. If you look uh, for Orlando Montiel or the Miami Real Estate Show, I had uh, you know I have different real estate agents from uh, different parts of the country. It's called the Miami Real Estate Show, but I have agents uh, around the country. Uh, and I interview them. Many of those agents, I personally coach on a one-on-one uh, basis. And many of those, you know, don't do the coaching with me. They do it with somebody else. I just want to understand exactly what they're doing. Uh, I want them to share, the ones that do the coaching with me, to share with the audience what they're doing uh, to be so successful today. And I've been doing the podcast again now for five years now, five years. So uh, you can listen to it, the Miami Real Estate Show, on, on, on a podcast uh, platform that you have on your phone, or you can watch it. Watch you, you used to post them. Yeah, you used to post them on Facebook, and I'd get in my Facebook feed, and I'd always watch the videos there. I enjoyed them. Yeah. So my job is used to ask the questions, and and uh, and now before the pandemic, we were doing it uh, live actually uh, in our in our training center here in our office, and people would come and and then uh, ask questions uh, to the uh, to the agent. Uh, now we're back to uh, the Zoom. Uh, unfortunately, and way before yeah, when, when, when we got started, we did it in, in houses, you know, 35, 40 million dollar houses. It was very interesting. Uh, but at the end of the day, the most important thing is the contents. And now I want to go back to what we started at the top. And I know you're very um, connected in Latin America. You have the South American investors. So just last question. What do you think the 2021 forecast is going to look like? Are you agreeing with, you know, we've had people on like Craig Nikki, Peter Zalewski, everybody's giving a positive forecast for the return of the South American investor in 2021 into 2022. What do you think? Well, 
I do think so, uh, but with, ha- with what happened with the pandemic, I think it, anybody's guess is as, is as good as mine, right? Uh, I do believe that long-term, the South American client uh, you know, has a vested in- interest in, in South Florida, by, you know, definitely. Uh, the question right now, it's, it's the, only, the only reason most South Americans are not investing more right now is because of the currency exchange, right? It's, the dollar is very expensive right. in South America. But still, even with the dollar at you know at all time high level for most currencies, when you compare it to most currencies in South America, it is extremely appealing. The, the the worse it gets in South America, unfortunately for South America, the better it gets for for South Florida. Um, you know, we see so many people not only coming here to to live now, but also sending their kids to study here. Uh, so definitely, uh, South South American investors are looking for a safe haven. Uh, for for their for their money, right? So South Florida, it's a great so, place. Yeah. You know, we're in Miami. We're going to keep Miami specific here for just a minute. You know, we're starting to see the early beginnings of the next phase of the condo building, right? So we're just we're ending cycle now. We've got the last few buildings delivering, and so now it's the startup time. And of course, for these new buildings, since they are really mega buildings. They're going to be taller, more expensive to build, more units. It's We're looking at five-year cycle. So pre-sales will probably start in the next 18 to 20-some months from now. So that's what everybody's kind of looking towards because that's where the South American investor has been such an important part of our Miami real estate economy because they have bought so much in pre-sale. So we're all keeping our fingers crossed for the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, as we start to go into sales for this next cycle, that that market will be back and strong. So I hope your investors will be back and you'll be buying projects. At the end of the day, I know with certainty that it's going to happen because it's, if you look through history, through the years, they always come back. What I don't know, and I don't think anybody knows, is when, right? It might take 18 months, 24 months, but they're always, they're always coming back. When you look at, at any, when you're driving through South Florida, you see all these huge, beautiful buildings. They are not empty. They're full, no. right? Uh, and remember, we are the second, the second state with the fastest growing population. We are uh, adding almost 1,000 new residents a day. We are second only to Texas. And, and our inventory is going to be absorbed quickly. We're not building anymore. And we're going to have this gap now because, like I said, a project that they're starting to talk about now is not going to be delivered for another five years. So we have to live with the inventory we have for the next five years. We have no more land. We don't have, we can't do a single family housing development. People are moving in. And so we're going to have to deal with our existing inventory until this new wave starts to deliver, which is not really going to be until 2025, 2026. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. So I like to close with a lightning round so that we can learn a little bit more about you personally. So you ready? Yes. Go ahead. Let's go. <laughs> Where were you born? Venezuela. What is your birth order? Uh, I'm the, the oldest one of four. The oldest of four. Do you have brothers or sisters? I have a brother who is my business partner, Daniel, who is uh, 41. I have a uh, uh, a sister who is 25 and a younger brother who is uh, 17. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. What is your academic background? Finance. I study finance. Who do you consider your best teacher? Wow, my best teacher. I have so many people, uh, but I would say 
my number one teacher who I speak to every single day of my life, my mom. I'm so fortunately, so fortunate. I speak every morning with my dad, but I spend hours talking to my ma- to my mother at the end of the day. She keeps me very, that. very humble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope my kids say that about me one day. <laughs> <laughs> every day. I call her every night before getting home to my wife and kids. I call her and sometimes we speak for an hour and a half. And, uh, you know, I, I, I decompress with her. Sometimes I call her mad. Sometimes I, I call her happy. But, you know, it's every single day of my life. Same thing with my dad, but in the morning. Very good. Very good. What was your first job in life? In life? <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah. Believe it or not. Man, that, that sounds crazy. Uh, teaching English in Venezuela. <laughs> with, imagine with my accent. Yeah. So that was my first job. <laughs> Can you believe that? What about teacher? Anyways. <laughs> Absolutely. No, not, no, a good teacher. You speak English very well. You speak English very well. Uh, Who do you consider to be your best mentor? My best mentor? Um, again, I would say my mom. Um, more than, you know, the professional, it, it's all about life, right? Uh, again, she keeps me very, very grounded. And uh, yeah, she's, she's such a you know, human, you know, it's, uh, you know, looking, uh, I'm, I'm a very driven person. And, and my mom always is looking after, okay, how can I help more and more and more other people, right? So taking the focus out of myself, which I love, you know, that's my mentor. And it helps me everywhere. So since we're in real estate, you have to ask where do you live and what do you like best about your home? Yeah, perfect. I live in Coral Gables, uh, beautiful, beautiful city within Miami. And what do I like best about my in my home? You said yes. Uh, about my home, uh, my uh, outside uh, patio and, and pool. I uh, sit down by my uh, pool and my patio again to decompress at nighttime by myself. I am a loner. I like to be by myself when my kids are doing homework or my wife is cooking. I like to just sit down and, and look at the pool and just relax. Well, have quiet. You talk to people all day long. <laughs> exactly. Nice to have, yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice to have a break in the action. Exactly. What. What's your favorite vacation spot? Oh, that's great. We have the time, you know, the opportunity to travel long, long term during the summers every year. My fir- favorite place, any national po- park within the United States. Name one, I'll be oh, there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Amazing. I mean, we go everywhere in the world, but you ask me, what's the best place? Just pick up a national park. I'll be there. I'll have a blast. Amazing. Amazing. What is your morning routine? Ooh, okay. So I get up at very early, uh, 4.30 in the morning. I work on what's Ooh. called development. Yeah, I, I uh, do 4, 4.30 to 5.30. I work for an hour. I work, but really, the, you know, development my, developing my business, right? Then I uh, do uh, an hour of uh, weight, uh, body, body weight, yoga, and running for about 15 to 20 minutes. It go, the whole thing is about an hour. I take a shower and I get to my office exactly at 8.15 in the morning. 45 minutes looking at emails, uh, WhatsApp, text messages, and every single day at 9, 10, I have a debrief, marketing debrief uh, for the day with my team. I'm doing seminars, talking about people, you know, people that requested information about, as you said, about EXP, people requesting information about our courses, our training, our one-on-one, et cetera. What do you consider your biggest failure and your best success? Hmm. My biggest, my biggest failure. I don't remember one right now that it it, it stands out. Uh, my biggest success. I don't know if that answers the question. Uh, but learning to understand that not everybody has my same point of view, 
because as a driver, you know, I, you know, I don't understand when some people don't get it so fast. Uh, and I'm in coaching it. So, so learning. It's a problem with us drivers. Right, exactly. How can you not get it? This is, I don't have the patience sometimes. That's what my, my, my mom, you know, keeps me grounded. So my biggest success at 45 years old is, is to develop a little bit of patience, which I said to my, mo- my mother sometimes, I don't want the patience. I don't want that skill. But it helps me sometimes because if not, I'm, I'm hurting myself, you know, when I rush, when I don't get things, when I want to, when people don't get it. Uh, I can be very harsh on myself by being harsh to them, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, for most successful people, you learn from whatever isn't working right. And whether you want, it's not necessarily a failure, but you're constantly evaluating. And if something isn't working right, then you're changing it. So every deviation in your business that could be construed to be negative can certainly turn into a positive because you learn from it. You know, the last thing now that you mention it, my biggest Success, business success, uh, it's creating a community of like-minded people than like the one that I have right now. I've been doing seminars, and you know this, I've been doing seminars for more than 20 years. Never cry in a seminar. My people made me cry two years, two weeks ago. Uh, So it is a huge (laughs) business. It's a huge business success. So uh, the, the community that we have right now is just unbelievable. It's awesome. It's awesome. Do you have any aspirational goals? Well, you know, there are different ones, right? Uh, there is the physical one. We are always trying to improve our health. Uh, now I'm trying to lose uh, about 20 pounds. I'm not overweight, but I would like to be in better shape, right? Uh, I want to be uh, another aspiration that I have. I want to be a better dad and husband. That's never good. That's a never ending, uh, uh, you know, uh, that, that's never a task that you can risk, uh, reach. Aspirational goals, yes. I want to build a community of over 30,000 agents that I can help and uh, help them uh, reach uh, financial peace uh, business-wise, right? There are different goals that we have, and that's my personal one. That's my vision for my team. That's good. And last but not least, how can people get in touch with you? Simple. Uh, You can go to Montiel Organization, M-O-N-T-I-E-L, which is my last name, organization.com. You can see what we have. Simple, the easiest one is Orlando, my first name, VS and Victor, my last name, Montiel on Instagram. And uh, you can do the same, Orlando Montiel on YouTube, uh, and you'll find all the videos. We have many, many videos, many videos. Some have been seen more than half a million times. Uh, so Orlando V. Montiel, you're going to find there all, in, in Instagram, you're going to find everything through all my social media channels. Okay, perfect. I'll put all that in the show notes for anybody that's listening so they know how to get in touch with you. And thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. The time has just flown. It is great catching up with you. I have great admiration for the work that you do and appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me today. It is my pleasure. Uh, Always talking to you. I always learn something new. And as I said, now this is my formal invitation for you to be on my show. We'll do it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Beth. Thank you for the opportunity. This episode of From the Ground Up was sponsored by Feather the Nest, the crowdfunding source for all of your real estate needs. Why register for silverware when you can start your way to owning or renting your own home? Please sign up for your nest at www.featherthenest.com. A special thanks to my extraordinary producer, Sohail Fazludin, who has made this podcast possible.